0: What's up, podcast people? Yeah, it's Greg. I'm here. For some news. Let's do this. Well, there's no crowdfunding chronicles this week, but we do have a hot list of features for you folks to check out. So, first of all, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. There was the Fists of Fury, Organized Crime and Futility in Yakuza Kiwami. And so you want to start an atelier, a couple of the uh, ones I mentioned in the past, just to remind you, they're there, go check those out. We have Memories of Midgar, our favorite moments from the mechanical metropolis of Final Fantasy VII. A bunch of our staff kind of weigh in with uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake having come out and how it focuses so heavily on Midgar. They look back on some of their favorite moments in those opening moments from the original Final Fantasy VII back in 1997. We've got Finding Lost Jerusalem, why you should play Xenosaga. It's an article by you guessed it, Tyler Trosper, and you could go give it a read to see why he's so passionate about the series and why you could become so passionate about it. If you uh, just dive in, dip your toes in, read his article, see if it's worth it. Another reminder Man Must Own the World, Final Fantasy XIV, Gaius von Belsire, and the Praetorium Speech, that beautiful um, analysis of one of the Realm Reborn's big antagonists by Joe is up as well and then even if our world seems meaningless yoko taro's plea for universal empathy in near is uh, another really well thought out in-depth look at near by zach wilkerson over in the reviews department we got a few of those for you nathan lee was in secure wars and he talks about it on this episode overall he seems pretty pleased with it and it, uh, it's his anime as heck Uh, And uh, this little action RPG visual novel rebirth of a classic series uh, seems worth getting into, so go give his article a read. And keeping up with the topical reviews, which we also discuss in the episode, pretty much all the reviews actually we discuss on this episode, spoilers, uh, I gave RPG Fan Editor's Choice to the Trials of Mana remake that came out uh, not too long ago. It was awesome, good check out what i had to say about it there's also a partner video review that came out at the same time as well so if you want to get more uh, eyes and ears on it than just reading you know you got that option as well finally wintermore tactics club dropped and neil chandran has uh, given it a review as well all three of these games seem pretty stellar across the board and all worth checking out and you will hear more about them in the episode proper finally we dropped a big old video review of the yakuza remastered collection taking all of jano's uh three entries from the remaster of yakuza and uh, smashing them all into one big video for you to watch so if you want to see the highlights from all of those games crammed into this uh little kind of brief microcosm of all of his reviews then uh, go give that a watch so one last thing before we get into the episode proper you may have noticed that our uh, podcasts have taken on kind of a new look it's because we switched over how we're delivering our podcasts to you so first of all, your news feed may or may not work out just fine. Most services seem to be taking things automatically and updating them just fine. But for those of you having any issues, uh, we recommend you unsubscribe and then resubscribe. Make sure you're looking for the proper RPG Fan Podcast. It's RPG Fan with no space in it. Our old feed used to have a space in it, but we're phasing that out hopefully, so it shouldn't really be an issue. So if you search RPG Fan, all is one word, that should hopefully bring things up to date for you as well. And uh, as far as that... Uh, most things will tell you when a podcast is available and um, hopefully you'll be able to stay up to date but if you do have any issues please email me at podcast at rpgfan.com so we can sort that out we've also added a boatload of new platforms and for those of you who have been asking yes we are now on spotify along with a whole bunch of other stuff so go check out uh, our uh, new updated podcast pages to see all the different services we are now on additionally over the original ones that we were on and uh, finally yeah we got a nice little embedded uh, player on the, the website now so you don't have to download it or go off to a separate place if you're just taking it from the website directly which is just a really nice little usability thing so any rate our uh, wonderful fearless leader Mike Silbato has put all of this information in a much more thought out uh, news article for you so you don't have to try and remember everything I'm saying uh, you can find that on the website it is um, in our news archive for 2020. Uh, if for some reason you're listening to this way late and have missed the boat somehow, it's article 10399, and uh, you can go track that down through our archives. At any rate, uh, we hope that this new podcast experience really makes everything better for you when you're trying to take in all the various RPG fan podcasts, and uh, we are moving into to the new future the new future because that's what the future is shut up greg just let the podcast happen okay enjoy it 188 that's the one 188 I just tried like a weird Doppler effect so that way I didn't do the thing like I always done where I come in way too hot at the beginning and I just kind of like leaned into the mic hopefully you all enjoyed that I don't know what it'll sound like we'll hear in the edit anyways welcome to random encounter 188 I'm Greg Delmadge your uh, host that you're stuck with because uh, nobody else wants to do it I'm kidding I love doing this and it's pretty awesome because I get to talk to sweet people like my co-host John o. Logan. always a pleasure Hello, Jana. Welcome back. Uh, I'm glad to hear you're doing all right. What with uh, current events happening out East Canada.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, um, it means I've been talking to my parents fairly regularly about it.
0: It's very uh, un-
1: unheard of in
0: Canada. I mean, it happens. It just doesn't happen
1: as big. Well, hopefully it happens less now that we have the assault ban.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seems like a good way to deal with it. But uh, that is a very different podcast to talk about all that. Still, mm-hmm. I'm glad you and yours are all doing all right. Yes, we're all fine. of all that. Good. And otherwise, we are joined from... Joined from? Joined from Toronto. There we go. That's how I'm going to spin it, everybody. Joined from Toronto by uh, Nathan Lee, everybody. Nathan, welcome back. Hey, good to be back. It's always good to have you. Also, uh, back on the podcast from... Uh, uh, I guess we'll, we'll get him to regale us what the story is to... Whenever the last podcast you remembers being on was. But uh, the man who gets us so many codes, talks to all of the folks uh, that want us to review things for us,
2: hopefully, uh, is Neil Chandran. How's it going, everyone? And uh, yeah, and I think the last uh, podcast I was on was uh, Retro Encounter when uh, we were doing the feature on our favorite RPG casts, ensemble casts. Oh, right. Nice. Who was yours? Final Fantasy 7. That's a good one and very topical. <laughs> have you gotten into the remake yet? Um, No, I haven't yet because I do not have a PlayStation 4 yet. Well, there we go, Neil. It's really good to have you on. Um, as I was
0: saying in the pre-show... I've known Neil since I started at the site, and I've gotten many a review code thanks to Neil's uh, hard work and keeping in touch with all the developers and publishers out there, but I've never actually gotten to talk voice-to-voice, face-to-face, however you want to put it, with Neil. So this is is exciting times. First time really chatting with Neil, who's a base and bike enthusiast, as I recall. Not motorcycle, bicycle. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) And in that, we are kindred spirits. Uh, as far as the bike cycling goes, but I don't think mm-hmm. I'm near as passionate about it as you are. But it gets me places, so that's what I'm happy about. Not right now, though, because no one's going nowhere. At any rate, uh, where we are going is into the land of uh, video games. We've all been playing stuff. We've all been getting through um, this whole global pandemic and these times at the moment. And a lot of that, yeah, is being able to put times in the games. Although I can't say as I've had as much time as I would like to play video games. I thought I'd be like, a lot lazier and i'm not i'm still keeping very busy around the house as people who have been listening know i'm also homeschooling my daughter swapping in and out with uh with the, the wife this week we uh my wife wrote me into doing a 48 hour film competition with her this week through her work uh those will go live at some point i'm sure i'll share it with everybody so we basically made a film just the two of us in the house um in in 48 hours and it was a lot Yeah, I'm finding ways to keep busy, and a lot of it doesn't involve video games. Uh, What about you guys? Are you finding it's mostly video game times for you, or are you finding other side projects and skills you never had? Take it away, Jono.
1: I'm a freelance writer, so thankfully I still have, you know, I still have work. I'm still writing uh, on a regular basis. Uh, And between that and, yeah, playing playing quite a few games, and I kind of am looking at this as, like, get through the backlog, and I have been hammering away at it and i've gotten through quite a bit of it and god only knows how much longer this is going to last i might actually make it through a little bit more of it before uh it's all over for a second i thought
0: you were going to say like i actually might make it through my backlog before this is all over
1: and i was like don't you
0: lie and then you might make it through a little bit more of it (laughs) i was like that's more honest
1: no, there's, there's no way in hell that I'm getting through Steam, my Steam library and not, not to mention my Epic library because they keep releasing great games for free and it's just, they're just piling up.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a bad, it's a good, bad problem to have, I guess. Nathan, you're um, also stuck with the, the whole family gaggle at home, but you were saying like, your parents are keeping busy and you and your sister kind of hang out and stuff too as best you can. So is it mostly, again, video games for you or do you, have you taken on some new hobbies? Uh, still
3: mostly gaming for me. Like uh, I've been trying to knock out all my assignments as quickly as I can. and uh, that's, right. basically, that's basically what's really been keeping me busy throughout this whole thing. I, I'm trying to find some stuff on the side to do, like uh, playing some of the games with friends online, but that's, that's about it.
0: At least you're keeping yourself busy. And Neil, have you been uh, knocking out some sweet bass licks?
2: <laughs> yep. I mean... For my day job, I'm an educator, so, you know, I spend my mornings, you know, e-teaching my students and everything, but, yeah, a lot of my free time is spent, is spent getting better at playing bass. While my uh, computer was out, I was also catching up on my reading backlog, which I'm making a serious dent in, and, uh, well, I can, and since I got a new laptop, I can play more video games again, too. Yay. He's back, everybody. He's back. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's not easy to be an educator in these times. Like, I, I appreciate, like, our daughter's teacher, you know, she touches base about two or three times a week. They use Microsoft Teams right now and kind of mm-hmm. conference call all the students, which for kids in grade four, that just sounds like trying to herd cats. And it's um, <laughs> it just sounds like a nightmare to try and put this together and keep it all structured, and especially for this teacher she, it's her, it, this was her first assignment as like a full time, like not just being a part time on call teacher anymore. And she's like, cool, now you have to teach in a pandemic. Have fun. And so, yeah, yeah. she's doing really good, but it can't be easy, I imagine.
2: Oh, definitely. And uh, I work with special ed high school students. And oh, man. Uh, so, so, we have a lot of unique challenges, especially. You know, some of the students we have, we have to be kind of hand over hand when we're working with them. But you know what, for the most part, they've proven a lot more like resilient than I thought possible. And yeah, for the most part, they're, you know, they're doing what they need to do. You know, a lot of them have like either a parent or an older sibling who's home with them and can kind of be our eyes and ears. And, like, more power to those people, too. Like, I
0: appreciate, yeah. like, even for myself, I, I don't know how my daughter gets anything done at school because she's so easily off track all the time that, like, I'm <laughs> constantly on top of her to be like, hey, focus. Hey, you've been staring off in the distance for, like, 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> let's do math again, maybe, you know? Anyways, it's ridiculous. Sounds like conversations I have with 90% of my students. Well, exactly, right? And then when they are on topic, it's great. And then it's not long before, like, so you know what happened in Minecraft? And you're like, this is this is not French literature. Let's get back to this. Okay, cool. Yeah, I appreciate the hard work you're putting in. It can't be easy in these times.
1: Frankly, I wish both of you were here to keep me on track with my job. Because I'm often staring <laughs> into space. I'd be great if someone was like, hey, 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 come on, write some blogs. Write some blogs. <laughs> oh, poor
0: Johnna. What's, you, what's your partner do? I guess she's busy. Isn't she working as well, Jonna?
1: Uh, yeah, she is working from home too, but she occasionally does uh, goes out and does site inspections. She works. Uh, she yeah. doesn't. Yeah, she works for a conservation authority.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah, she can't keep you honest either if she's busy doing her own thing.
1: No, she's she's uh, constantly she's working away like crazy, and I am in here playing bravely default Yakuza.
0: <laughs> I feel that sometimes too. I mean, my wife has reduced hours, but even there, there's days where I'm just like, oh, I just kind of played two hours of Animal Crossing and. Yep, here we are and she's like cool i put together a uh, proposal to the government to get a grant for this pitch that i've been writing when developing the series with these three other women and then we're trying to pitch this series and hope it goes through and oh my gosh and i'm like i uh watered some flowers it's been great <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's i've been keeping track of the house and stuff i pressure washed the house yesterday pressure washing is fun y'all you know? <laughs> anyway, uh video games that's what we're here for we just jibber jabbered for a bit about our personal lives which i hope everyone appreciates i mean you come back to the podcast for a reason it's totally us not the video games right <laughs> right anyways uh one big release that just came out uh was trials of mana it uh, as of the last um episode that dropped i probably could have talked about it just in then but i hadn't really gotten too deep into it enough yet so this came out last friday if I'm not mistaken. Yes, last Friday, Trials of Mana 2020 version dropped, a remake of the SNES Classic from 1995 that we only just got in 2019, uh, legally. I mean, if there, there's, there's means people were playing it before that, but uh, the official localization.
1: That was a fast turnaround time on the remake. Woof, they got right on it. Right? They released the 16-bit version, and bam, they got the uh, remake out quick.
0: Well, exactly. Like uh, they may, it speaks to the fact that probably ever since the collection of Mana was announced originally in Japan, they were probably already developing this remake, <laughs> and then uh, and had the localization in store. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they were just like, let's just put it over here, and release this in English because we already have the other two games localized in English. So eh, it'll print money, and it did. So. It just kind of made sense. But yeah, getting that announcement at E3, both that the game was available for the first time ever and that they're remaking it and it actually looked like a good remake was was it was a good move on their part.
1: I believe Solosi almost passed out when they actually announced that.
0: Oh, exactly. And he will tell you about it every time you ask. Um, and I was I would have been in his shoes if I was even there at the event doing the same thing. It's um yeah, it. There was a lot of trepidation, obviously, going into this review for myself, and just the news that's been leaked because the Secret of Mana remake uh, was not so great back in 2017. It was just kind of throw a 3D slap of paint over top of it, and we're good to go. Not so much. People wanted to see some innovation and some good quality of life stuff, and that just wasn't given to us. So with Trials of Mana, they, they seem to have gotten the message, because this game is just the thing that makes it is the fact that they rebuilt the core systems from the ground up, so in such a way that it still feels like the original experience, but refined, and that's exactly what needed to happen.
1: Yeah, which is nice to hear because I mean, they they put so much work into the English localization. You would hope that they yeah. would maintain it.
0: Well, exactly. So the fact that we've yeah, the fact that we've got it in any shape and form is a miracle, and it's yeah, it's great. So I was overjoyed to be able to play this game. It is just fun. <laughs> like if anyone remembers just being a kid, picking up a video game and just losing yourself and just having a good time with your friends and stuff, like this is that game again. I mean, I said it as such in my review at the tail end of it, but that's just what I felt the whole time. I just was enjoying myself thoroughly.
1: The Mana series is great for that. I find, uh, like in terms of their in terms of uh, that you know there RPGs, Final Fantasy and Saga. Mana is the Mana. Mana is the kind of thing you can just jump right into and play and enjoy.
0: You're so pretentious.
1: Mana. (laughs)
0: Trails
2: of Mana. (laughs) Yeah, because I remember playing the original uh, Secret of Mana, like the 16-bit version, and just the world was so colorful. It's like it was a world you
0: wanted to get lost in. Absolutely. It's its biggest appeal, like between the simplicity of the story, which part of that was because of just the localization and what they were able to do, but yeah, the world is just so—it's just—it's—it's what you picture when you just picture magical world. It's bright, it's colorful, it's vibrant. It's easy to just go right into right, and it's—it's it's just a wonderful experience. And the the second sets of three, now Trials of Mana, was more of the same with a really cool refresh on the combat system and a bit more kind of a fleshing out of the story. And then now with the remake, they've embellished that so much more, mostly for the best. Um. Yeah, like, I really didn't have a lot to disparage. It was funny. I was reading through uh, some of the the response we got to the review through people when uh, Steph does her beautiful recreations in her, like, little collector's card review card that she does on Instagram.
2: Those are awesome.
0: Right? Oh, my gosh. And we would get some feedback from folks, and it was all very good. And one of the people were saying, like, those cons are hardly cons. And I'm like, I know, but you just sometimes you don't want to pick your favorite children but you need you have a favorite so you you eventually you have to nitpick and find something and i mean you could take it from what you will i mean having some lackluster voice performances and poor video optimization is yeah it's not a big none of it breaks the game right but it's you you still got to knock points somewhere because nothing's perfect either yeah have we ever reviewed a hundred percent game i don't think so
1: I don't think we have. And that's the problem. I mean, some people are so invested in the series or the game that if you point out any criticism at all about it, like if you point out that the voice acting's not quite right, it's like a personal, it's a personal hit against them. And the reality is that a brilliant game that is the game of the year will still have some things that aren't 100%. Well,
0: absolutely. And I mean, I I didn't give it 90% but I still, or higher, but I still found it it's an, it's a I gave it editor's choice because it's it's still a fantastic game to play and everybody should. It's not without its flaws, but it's amazing. It was just like I said, just unbridled fun from start to finish. Like picking, the, you know, you, you I already knew what was kind of going on because I've played the original a few times through now, so I knew I got to make my party. But making the party is much more important now in terms of how it affects the story. Like there's. The, the, the little touches they added with each of the characters have more personality now because they have more room to speak and uh, not just, you know, literal um, gigabytes of space, more room, but also just they've filled out the story more to allow for more breathing room between the story beats in some ways. And then you have cutscenes and everything like that that kind of adds on to all of it, uh, which your mileage may vary with due to the performances, as I said. But um, in between the moments, if anyone's played like Dragon Age or. I guess even, yeah, like Dragon Age Mass Effect, um, they kind of are, you know, the the staples for that where the characters kind of have banter between them in between moments, and it kind of helps develop the fact that they actually have a relationship, which is, speaks to what we were kind of talking about was one of the flaws of Octopath Traveler a few episodes ago, that it seems like the characters don't have a relationship.
1: Yeah, they're in their own individual stories, and that's sort of it. There's really not a lot of crossover.
0: Well, exactly. Whereas each of these heroes, all six of them have their own individual stories. And even then, each pair of them share a story, so to speak. So, for example, I had Hawkeye, who shares the same villain group as Reese. Uh, and in that, they still have their own separate arcs. You know, um, Hawkeye is pursuing his own goal to save someone very important to him uh from certain death whereas Reese has had somebody taken from her that means a lot to her so within those two realms they still have their own stories but they interact with each other if you decide to put both of them in the party so you still kind of are working through both their stories and then they'll kind of banter about things in between and some of it is poignant to the stories which is I think a service to the storytelling as any of us know in your classic nintendo rpgs and Super Nintendo RPGs, they weren't always the best at kind of guiding you to the next thing to do. Some are better than others. And then some could argue we went kind of hard the other direction by leaving too many breadcrumbs and feeling like your hand was held the whole way through. And I would say this one's a little guilty of that, I found. But at the same time, it means a lot less kind of running around and banging your head against walls by going like, What NPC will trigger the thing? So there's that. But it kind of takes a bit of the mystery out of it. At any rate, it's um, in between each of the story beats, the characters will kind of sum up stuff, so like uh, you know, they're like, hey, so we uh, now we're on our way to get this thing done, right? Yeah, what do we feel about this? And then they'll kind of they'll, each one will basically have a line about it, and it's kind of nice to make them feel like they care about the story and they're on board with it and have, you know, uh, a feeling towards the action that's happening at hand, right? And I thought that was probably the best addition to the game in terms of the storytelling aspect of it because otherwise the story is pretty much the same they didn't really add anything else aside from the post-game content which we're not really allowed to talk about because square enix but uh, (laughs) otherwise yeah they didn't really embellish the the actual story too too much except these little characterization things and that was the real thing i was looking for is having these characters
1: come that much more to life yeah and i mean the the base material of trials of mana was it was it was a very very late era snes game uh, like It was only two years before Final Fantasy VII got released, uh, and because of that, at least in my opinion, uh, everything from the mechanics to the, the art style to the character interactions, everything is very much evolved from... It, it's pretty much on par with a PS1 game in terms of its mechanics, at least from what I've played of it. Mm-hmm. Which is possibly why they they bumped the localization of it, because they probably wanted to focus on developing for the PlayStation
0: 1 at that point.
1: Yeah. I'm a little surprised they didn't port it. Actually, now that I think about it,
0: yeah, actually, it probably would have stood up. But maybe they were already developing Legend of Mana. Maybe they maybe not want to step on their own toes.
1: Yeah, that sure. was a that was a smart decision.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Legend of Mana was oh so good in my opinion, um, and definitely married the two worlds really well of the Super Nintendo vibe and the and the pushing, letting the PlayStation uh, power back those much more enhanced graphics. Uh, even though they were all 2D. like It was oh, it's such a vibrantly lovely game. They didn't go into the, era, the 3D world until Dawn of Mana, which is basically... So, did anyone else, uh, unfortunately, play Dawn of Mana on the PS2? No, I missed it. Nope. No. It's okay. Uh, you should all be happy you missed it. It was just... It was not... Uh, so, this game uh, was basically what I wanted Dawn of Mana to be. When I am so, I, like, it's just you wanted to be able to explore those worlds, like in, in Secret of Mana, like it was seamless, right? Like, you could literally almost walk from one place to the other through all the little tiles, right? Yeah, so it was one big map. There was no like overworld map to get from location to location. If you want, if the, the places were landlocked, then you had to travel via Flammy or via Cannon, uh, which will never get old. Um, <laughs> and so it was all like this one tied together world. And then, so when they tell you like, you're going to get this in 3d, you're like, uh, yeah, please. Cause legend of mana, it went more to the overworld map thing, but then the worlds you went into themselves were still pretty huge and felt pretty much the same. Mm. So it was, it still captured the vibe pretty well. Whereas when you get to dawn of mana, everything was a, was a level. It was a stage. It was a self-contained stage and they were granted decently sized, like maybe like, um hyrule field kind of size on like ocarina of time still pretty big and ample to explore and lots of levels but they made it more like a plat a very bad platformer action-y kind of game and it lost a lot of its magic and then uh, a tough couple but the fact that they had like a a lousy like leveling system that you only leveled to like max level three each stage and then you had to re-level up when you went to like the next quote-unquote stage it was just really dumb and backwards and the story wasn't enough to keep it going and so that was just a huge letdown. So, seeing that world now truly come to life in 3D through Trials of Mana, it just makes it for any Mana fan of the series is just going to like you're going to see this world and I grant you it definitely looks like a PlayStation 2 game that's been HD remastered because it's it's simple in a lot of its design. Uh, it but it's it's still so vibrant and colorful and beautiful and just captures the right parts of the mana series into the 3d world so perfectly and i'm excited for people like nathan who is uh, a very funny man uh in that he doesn't want to doesn't really dig the uh the sprite works and the the 2d world of gaming because that's not where he started such a baby it makes me feel old anyways so now i'm glad that you'll get to experience this game because you'll probably actually want to play it no, I do.
3: Like, uh, I really want to get into trials once I have the opportunity to. It just, like, it looks like a game I'll have a lot of fun with.
0: Oh, for sure. The tropes from it being a JRPG are all the more enhanced now that they have more active performances, so to speak. So, that'll probably strike a chord with you as well. Yeah, that's should. So, I
3: actually have to wait for the coin to end first. Because I, I, I'm free of the store, and I'm just like, I want
0: to go to the store and buy it, but I can't.
3: <laughs> oh, you want the physical? Yeah, I always prefer
0: physical if I can. Fair enough. So on top of that, it is just fun to play. Like, the combat system is awesome. Um, As I mentioned in my review, too, like, there was broken stuff in the original one. Like, the luck stack didn't work right. So you could actually, like, get critical hits increases through luck stat. Basically, luck only helped with, like, your treasure chest gains, and that was about it. And you couldn't use shields. So Duran, uh, one of his light class paths basically goes into being a heavy tank because he gets shields, so his defense just skyrockets. But you, there was no shields. like they, they didn't work properly. And I don't think they added anything to your defense stat. They were just kind of a... <laughs> they just were there, and not even... You could see them anyways. So <laughs> it's uh, awesome that now all these things work right. They refined the class system and the growth system, so now they dropped the agility stat. And instead... Basically, when the old one, whenever you leveled up, you would get to assign a point into one of your governing stats where up to a cap based on your class level because there was the the one, two, and three as the, the game goes. So now it's the same idea. Like they, all your governing stats cap out, but um, you now kind of get perks within those stats, which is super cool. So it's it's a clearer trajectory because in the old one, when you leveled up and changed your class level as well, you would get access to some new stats and new skills, but you never quite knew when they were going to unlock unless you went and read like a playthrough and stuff like that and people who had, you know, Figured it out and put it in their walkthrough, uh, then you can figure it out that way. But now you can actually assign your points and know, like, oh, cool. So if I put nine training points into my luck stat, I'll get this cool uh, ability that now lets me find uh, special items more often. And so you can equip that to your character. Plus, there's some of those abilities you can get that you can equip on anybody. So you you don't have to just worry about one character being focused on one thing. You can kind of it's very flexible, and that's what I loved about it. Like the whole new system is much more customizable. Each character isn't quite as hemmed into exactly what they have to be. I mean, it's not like you can change their core skills and stuff. Like if you're a magic user, you can't suddenly just learn healing magic from somebody else. That's not a thing. But at least you can make them. Like, do you want them to get their special attacks more? Do you want them to be really good at landing critical hits? Do you want them to? um, do more damage with their heavy attacks or have the most magic damage that you do. So you can kind of build them and tweak them a bit that way, which I thought was really awesome.
1: Yeah. And not only that, I mean, you have so many characters to play with and so many different builds that you can uh, create.
0: Well, ex- exactly. Um, and with all, in with all the class system and now they've added the fourth tier classes as well, there's just a lot more expansiveness in the game, in those, each of those class things, which is like the most fun part of that game is starting up a new party and changing their classes.
1: Well, it seems like they really, it seems like a game that already had a ridiculous amount of replay value now has more of it.
0: Yeah. And you can zip through it so fast. You can play through each of the characters' prologues if you don't want to jump into another replay, because originally that was the only way you could kind of know what the other characters were doing. So now when they join you, you can have, you have an option to say you can play through their prologues. So you can get the context of storylines that are outside of your character storyline. It's just, it's such a good game, and I'm, I'm so excited for like people like Nathan who get to play it for the first time. Neil, you've played Secret of Mana. Did you ever uh, play Second Densetsu Three, in any way, shape, or form?
2: Uh, no, I haven't. Cause, I'll be honest, I was actually kind of a late comer into the. Uh, SNES era of, uh, RPGs because, cause I had a Sega Genesis during that era. So,
1: boo, you were one of those.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was a fantasy star kid, but anyway, it was in college. Um, one of my friends, he had his SNES and it was through him that I got into like secret of mana and, and a lot of that era of gaming. Sega
0: does what Nintendo don't. Not play RPGs. We were all shell-shocked from the console wars. It's <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. the <laughs> so, worst thing our generation I was in
0: the ever went through. console wars. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. What's a Sega? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah. I mean, get yeah. off my show. Yeah. <laughs> I kid, though. Uh, at any rate, I am excited you both will be able to play this game because it's just been refined so wonderfully and you're just going to have a magical time with it. It's just so easy to play. So uh, mm. just go ham. Have fun. Listeners, play it. Like, really, like this is not going to be a bad investment. I can't speak to how well it does on the the Switch. I'm slightly worried because, like I was saying, it's not well optimized for the PS4, which is weird considering it doesn't... Like, as we had Alana on last episode saying that the Final Fantasy VII remake is seamless and butter smooth on the PlayStation 4, and she might be playing on the Pro, I'm not sure.
3: I have heard the Switch has frame rate issues, and I hear that the PS4 or a PSC version is definitely better. So if you have the option for that, you should probably go for those. That's just what I've heard.
1: That's one of the tricks about being a reviewer is, like, we, you know, we, we get codes for the games, but we can't review it on every single system. And because we can't review it in every single system and the experience is slightly different on each one because of optimization or, I guess, just plain power when it comes to the Switch. Control um,
0: distribution or whatever. Yeah your, yeah, your
1: mileage may vary depending on what uh, what you're driving. Yeah, exactly. Or especially if, you know, you're reviewing
2: the PC version of a game and, it's pro- and it controls completely differently on a console. So, yeah, I had that experience when I was playing Thea, The Awakening, because I played
0: it on Switch first and then realized it was a port of the PC game from many years before and I picked it up on PC because I loved it so much but I was like I can clearly see this will handle better on PC and yeah it's like it's night and day when you try and convert strategy PC controls to
1: console right and vice versa like I remember when I was playing uh Oberdin oh, yeah. on Switch it was like well this is working but it's not it's clearly designed for a uh, not this system
0: but we have played more games than just uh, Trials of Mana, such as Anime the Video Game. How's that been treating you, Nathan?
3: So, Anime the Video Game was pretty fun, and I always enjoy my anime. So, you know, being able to play that was pretty awesome. I, th- I think I made me some waves on Twitter with that. <laughs> my little quote there. I think I know, know you guys all, so you all loved it.
0: When did Sakura Wars drop?
3: Uh, Soccer Wars came out on the 28th of April, which, as of this recording, it was just a few days ago.
0: And it's, um... That story's been around for a while, has it not been? Like, the whole... It's a part of a series. I don't know much about it. Okay,
3: mm-hmm. I'll, 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 I'll try it and, uh... Like, tell you as much as I can, because, you know, this is my first time playing the, the game, a game from the series as well. So the series started in 96 on the Saturn. So th- that was already, like, kind of... It's part of the reason why we haven't seen Soccer Wars... In no wonder you games. haven't heard of it. Yeah. And also, it was Japan only for the longest time. Like, we only got yeah. a Soccer Wars game for the first time in 2010. It was a Wii port of the fifth game.
0: But it's a super niche game.
3: Yeah, so Soccer Wars is a RPG, visual novel, and dating some hybrid. So it has all those elements combined into one game.
0: Oh, that sounds like a pretty, like, is it like a, a almost the same kind of vibe as, like, Persona and such?
3: uh not really it's definitely more focused on the visual novel segments than the rpg segments the, i think that's the part that got me early was because i because of the heavy focus on the visual novel segments i that's what initially caused me to to ask if i could rate the anime a game out of 100 when i put it in my <laughs> in slack because <laughs> the first like two hours first two or three hours of the game was the visual novel segment and then you know you do a fight for like 15 minutes and then you go back to the visual novel sets part of the game it sounds like an anime yeah, <laughs> that's what it caused me to play it, and then of course you know the game has such, such a heavy emphasis like on like almost like shonen anime tropes that that that's just what overwhelmed me in the first like few hours. Is it tropy in a good way or a bad way? Um, in it, in my opinion, in a good way. It's just very predictable, just because I've seen everything that you know would would happen up to that point in the story, like you know you have the you know they go against all odds right think the, the one uh, soccer goes in solo and then just just and manages to destroy all the all the enemies and just she somehow manages to survive through the entire thing into plot armor and you know she should have died like I feel like a couple times on <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so, it's very handy armor yeah like I don't know how she That's still like managed that? to get through the mission because apparently her back got, got disabled but then she still came back and finished the mission so I don't know like how that works but <laughs>
0: commitment. And power friendship
3: she, maybe power friendship and to see her you know the captain comes in and saves her and then she's like oh yeah let's just get right back in the neck and let's go
2: yeah because i recall you saying at one point that the game like literally made you feel like you were in an anime and i feel like any anime fan is like man i wish i could be in that anime
0: well, exactly. Like, are, are you on board with this game, Neil? Like, are you wanting to dive into Sak- Sakura Wars knowing how heavily steeped it is
2: in anime culture? You know what? Having played my f- more than my fair share of cheesy visual novels, I'd give it a shot, sure.
1: Yes, you certainly Thank have, you. and bless you for it.
2: <laughs> and also, you know, through uh, being part of RPG Fan and, uh, you know being the person who's in touch with like developers, publishers and, you know, PR representatives, I'm privy to so many games that, like, would have otherwise flown completely under my radar. And while some of those, uh, you know, were terrible a lot of them were, like, some really cool hidden treasures. Mm-hmm. We've definitely had those. I mean, I've, I've
0: scooped a couple of them from you that I was like, oh, this totally would not something Neil would have picked up, and then oh, this is actually surprisingly a good time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, tropey visual novels, uh, Wintermore Tactics Club sounds like it should be, like, a very JRPG uh, anime-inspired uh, visual novel, but it very much is not. And it does have tactics in it uh neil you picked up this one is it, is it a straight up it's an indie game is it not yes it is uh from evc and that yeah uh, is coming out soon Uh may 5th so yeah how has that been stacking up because it looks really cool
2: yeah you know what and and you know what and my thoughts on this game tie into some of the things we've been discussing before. Because, A, this was one of those games that I would not have known a darn thing about if it weren't for being part of RPG fans. So, it was one of those hidden treasures. And since uh, we were talking with Nathan about how Soccer Wars made him feel like he was in an anime, this game, Wintermore Tactics Club, it it made me almost feel like I was in, like, one of those, like, Saturday morning cartoons that I used to watch as a kid. And
0: that's right. Is that simply because of, like, the style, or is that also fed in by, like, the writing style as well?
2: Um, yeah, definitely, definitely a bit of both. And and each chapter almost feels like um the beginning and end of, like, an episode And you would watch on TV.
0: Oh, that's a nice way to progress.
2: Yeah, Let me just uh, give you a a little quick and dirty on um, what Wintermore Tactics Club is about, because this is a game no one's probably heard of. It takes place in a heavily fictionalized version of the 1980s and uh, Which is like all the hotness right now. (laughs) And the setting is Wintermore Academy, which is like this very exclusive boarding school. Think like Hogwarts but without the spell casting. And so the character you play as is a girl named Alicia, who's uh, an aspiring fantasy novelist and and she's a member of the school's tactics club. She where she and her two friends, Colin and Jacob, play um Curses and Catacombs, which is a tabletop game, kinda like Dungeons and Dragons. Amazing. Huh. Yeah. So, one day, the club's playing, and then the principal makes an announcement. There's a huge assembly in the auditorium, and he says that all the school clubs have to participate in, like, um, a knockout snowball fight tournament. You know, the winners get to move on and be named the school's ultimate club. The losers have their clubs disbanded. What? And if you, that
1: yeah, seems and unfair. if you don't
2: participate, your club gets disbanded
0: too. Oh, I guess that's <laughs> the best way to like uh, reass- reassess funding.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. So, and so Alicia and the Tactics Club they somehow, against all odds, win their first snowball fight. But Alicia is super conflicted about it because while she loves being, because she's a misfit at the school and the club gives her a sense of belonging. And even though the club they beat were a bunch of mean-spirited Draco Malfoy type elitists, she realizes, hey, they were misfits too. And they needed their club for that sense of belonging. And so there's the two thrusts for the narrative is Alicia, you know, fighting to, you know, keep her club from getting disbanded. But also trying to figure out what's going on because something is clearly rotten in Denmark here. And what is what is this crazy principal playing at with this snowball tournament and all that? It makes me think of um, the opening
0: of like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance when you have like the snowball fight tutorial.
2: <laughs> but in any case, the game is a strategy RPG but the uh, marketing copy calls it a quote unquote cozy strategy rpg yeah what's and it that and kind of felt cozy but i think it's because it's a more it's it's not like a hardcore tactics game like say fire emblem or um like a nis like, thing, tactics Over. Yeah. thing yeah or like Disgaea where there's like a kajillion stats tons of menus I mean, the combat is, is, you know, it's, it's pretty accessible, you know, battlefields and parties are small, so battles occur fairly quickly, and while the default difficulty is skewed easy, you, there's multiple parameters, so you can kind of make things as uh, easier or even more, or more difficult as you want, and, and so it's like, it's one of those things where it's, it's fun and it's accessible for people who just want a casual experience to play for the story, but there's also enough depth for, you know, people who want something a little chewier. Okay, that's a good balance. Then. I like that.
1: Yeah. Is there any voice acting in it or is it entire is it just text-based?
2: Um it it's text-based. There's there's no voice acting, but I didn't but you know what? The music's but the music is actually pretty good and I didn't miss the voice acting at all because as I hey, cool. was reading, I could easily envision what, you know, each of these characters
1: would sound like. No, no, and sometimes oh, voice acting awesome. isn't necessary at all. I was just curious. Cause sometimes yeah. like playing RPGs when I was a kid, like obviously the characters were in my head and I would hear specific voices for them. And then when I think Final Fantasy yeah. IV's remake came out and I heard the voices, I was like, that's not no, that's not Kane at all.
0: And I was gonna ask you about the music, like stylistically, is it like your kind of standard RPG fantasy kind of ambiance, so to speak, or is it a little more unique? How much into like the quirky Saturday morning cartoon yeah, does it play? Yeah, the
2: yeah, see, the music is synth. Yeah, the synth-based music, it yeah, it definitely um, oh, touches. yeah, the
0: eighties is heck. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So while. Like, battle themes, especially when the club is, you know, playing their tabletop RPG, are appropriately heroic. Um, In between battles, when Alicia's walking around the school, talking to people, doing side quests and all, the theme has more of that, like, you know, has more of that, like, kind of homey school theme. Think something like um, the Balam Garden theme from Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, nice. And then, of course, you know, when different characters have like their little cuts, different cutscenes, different music, different theme music plays for them. Like, like, as as you said earlier, um, you know, when you look at screenshots, you see different like clubs and stuff. And whenever you encounter members of those clubs, you'll get the little club theme music. And it's and
0: that definitely helps to feed into the character. And I guess, yeah, what you envision in your head for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I feel like just having the unique music for the club members, and also the fact that every um, every character in the game, every character in the game, playable and non playable, had their own like very unique sprite, you know, unique body type, unique like hairstyle, even unique gait as they walked. It like there were no look alike paper doll characters which can be easy to phone in with I guess
0: these kind of hand drawn style games just to yeah. kind of cut some corners they'll just kind of hand draw a basic frame so it's nice that they individually drew it everybody that's pretty rad yeah.
1: it looks like a super diverse cast
2: oh it def yeah it definitely is but and uh and even though the cast is like diverse you know they don't they don't try it's never like uh hey look at me I'm a this or I'm a that. It just, it just, it just is. That's great. I love, yeah, I like that more developers
0: are trying to take that stance with just, people are just people. You don't have to (laughs) be like, oh, look, there's the one lesbian. It's like, we don't, that's not what defines them. You know, (laughs) like they're just people who do love and do what they do and look like they look. We don't have to have a token X character of skin color, you know, orientation or whatever. Right. That's great. Yeah. that's awesome to hear.
2: Exactly.
0: Well, that's good. I'm glad that uh, diving into the in, uh, into this indie cash that we have um, paid off for you because this game definitely looks wonderful, and it's yeah. so it's got um, visual novel elements to it because you've talked a bit more about the tactics situation. How much does that play up the visual novel aspect?
2: Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I mean, like you'll never you won't see any mechanics that are like your traditional visual novel, like where you have like the big portraits of characters talking to each other and then making choose your own adventure decisions. It's it feels more like you know, just like a J more like your average JRPG really, where like I said, between battles, you know, Alicia just will go around to the school, you know, randomly like talk to people. Sometimes, you know, they'll give her like side quests to do. But there's uh, no, like,
0: relationships to build or anything like that.
2: I mean, you know what, there, oh, there definitely is. And, and cause, cause, uh, you know, as new members join the club, um, Alicia has to, has to write, write some, like, campaign, like, um, tabletop campaigns to try and help them with, like, some of their struggles. And, uh. And doing that is interactive. Like as she's writing a story, you're given choices of like, you know, plot points that she puts in. It and I and I thought that was cool. It kinda it felt like I was helping her like write the campaigns. That's cool. Well, that's kinda cool then. Yeah.
1: But there's no like dating sim type stuff. Like you're not no. So you're not it's not like Wintermore Harem Club or something like that.
2: Oh, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. And it's, I mean, cause mostly it's just about, cause it's just mostly just about like kind of the theme of the game is just kind of just trying to, you know, connect, connect with people and build friendships because, you know, like I said, a big thing is that Alicia feels like she's a total misfit at the school. And, and it's somehow it's through the snowball fight and through this, uh, Tabletop RPG, she's able to try. She's able to try and connect with other kids on campus and, Nice. you know, help them out and and, and this
0: all gets built naturally just through the storytelling. Less oh, so definitely through the player going out and pursuing the relationships, so to speak. Like yeah, get developed. But if you didn't, there's no like mini game aspect to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not really. Just it's just wo- it's woven into the um core gameplay. Gotcha, but. But like I said, I mean, one thing I like is that, you know, I was mentioning how um, a lot of strategy RPGs, you know, feel like overwhelming and not very accessible because they have like tons of menus and oodles of stats and all to keep track of. And you know what? The same could be said about tabletop RPGs because, you know, I mean, I've met people who they said, I liked building, I liked creating my character, but then it became a stat fest and then it felt like work. And so what with this game it made tactics gameplay and the concept of tabletop gaming seem like like accessible and fun and not and you know something that wouldn't that wouldn't be intimidating to get into and and I thought and I thought that was cool because like I said, I, I mean because you know tabletop gaming was I was I'll admit it was kinda difficult for me to get in to get into because math was never my strong subject, but even but playing like Wintermore Tactical Club made me think, you know what? Maybe I might want to give that another chance.
0: Well, and all that's come so far too to be streamlined, so I, I definitely recommend you drive in and try out some five E. Maybe with your fellow RPG fan players who are here. Especially now. <laughs>
1: yeah. But that's
0: good. This game sounds really rad, and I definitely want to check out uh, your review at the very least because I just, I'm really digging on the style. The art style looks captivating as heck.
1: How long's the time investment in it, if you don't mind me asking? Like, how long, how long's how big is the game?
2: It's not very long. It's only about, like, maybe 12 hours
1: or so. See, I love that. I, like, I mean, obviously, yeah. we play RPGs which tend to be 120 hour yeah. epics, but sometimes you just want to sit down and enjoy a uh, a short story right and yeah i mean the entire i mean the entire
2: um narrative of the game only takes place over the course of maybe a week so while you may not see like you know oodles of like char- character development and all i feel like you see a believable amount of growth like most of the characters kind of still stay within their archetypes but you know they kind of grow as in as much as you would expect someone to grow in about a week.
1: Yeah, it's an eventful yeah. week, but it's still a week.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I said, there's a place for that in storytelling, like just to have that quick digestible thing like Jono was saying. Yeah, That's cool. I, uh, I dig this. I'm into it. Um, yeah. Speaking of, uh, I guess, digestible, uh, you know, experiences, uh, the opposite of which would be uh, the the Default series um O was talking about last time how he wrapped things up on bravely default and uh you know you got through the repetition and all that sort of stuff
1: i actually loved it
0: right exactly uh he is um seems like the minority in the opinion of it but uh, very much was, so yeah but at any rate you were starting up bravely second yes. and um yeah has that been going so far
1: I think I started up Bravely Second like an hour before we recorded the last podcast, and I finished it an hour before we started this one.
0: Well, <laughs> some good timing.
1: Yeah, it was not it wasn't bad. I got in just under the wire. Uh I mean my impressions of it were uh they were positive. I don't think it's as good as the first game. Um and I think that's a fairly commonly held position here, but it's not yeah. bad by any by any stretch of the imagination. It feels much more Still like. It's still a very good RPG. Job system is fantastic. The art is, the art design is stunning. Music is great. Acting is very good too. Um, the voice acting is is very solid.
0: Uh, yeah, the first one had some good stuff too. It's good.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of returning actors in this one as well. So I, I very much enjoyed it. My main criticism is that it did feel a bit like a expansion pack for the original game. Like you know how when you played. You know how when you played like a, I don't know, Warcraft 3 or StarCraft, you get like the expansion pack after it and it would have like a further campaign, but it would basically use all the same assets with a few extras. That's very much what this felt like. It felt like an expansion pack. Um, and there's nothing wrong with an expansion pack. No. But that being said, uh, I did find, I, I had some problems with it. I didn't get into it as deeply as the first one. Uh, there were some tonal issues that were really strange in this game, um, there was like the first game. There was there were some funny bits, but it took itself seriously. It was telling a serious story, and in this game, everyone seems just very flip about what's going on. And they like like it's not. There's no real time crunch. Like the first game, you constantly felt like you low. were under- the stakes are low, even though they're not. Um, the stakes are quite <laughs> high.
0: Is treating it like they're low?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's a little weird. And I mean, one of the returning characters, Idia uh i mean she was my favorite character in the first game and she's actually my favorite character in this one as well she's a delight yeah she is a delight murder um she's she's great uh and she felt like you know this was her game in fact all the side quests used her as the main character as the as the focal point of them and i thought that was a really smart idea but like another returning character tiz kind of just felt like he was there Um, he just didn't feel like, uh, as, as well-developed or as, as necessary as he was in the first game. Uh, Magnolia Arch, uh, is a great character. I really like her. You, who is the main, who's the protagonist in this game, uh... Me? I'm the protagonist? You, I, actually, that's, they make a few (laughs) jokes about that. It's Y-E-W. What about you, you? Um... Is he's he's a huge whiner and he's kind of a coward and he grows throughout the game and becomes braver and braver and and as he realizes he hard defaults. truth yeah exactly <laughs> as he realizes hard truth about his life and his family um, there are times when I really liked him and there are times when I was just like ugh just get his <laughs> back in the main role. There was also a tremendous amount of fourth wall breaking in this game. There was a little bit in the first game. In fact, there was a bit of a plot point, but it was like teased, kind of. But in this game, they bring in a lot more of our world, a lot more heavy references to uh, the world we live in. And also so there weird. were times... It was weird. And there was a section at the very beginning, and this isn't a spoiler because it was at the very beginning of the game, You is trying to... Uh, he's trying to get uh, across a cavern and there used to be a bridge there but the bridge is out and he's afraid of heights so he turns to the camera he says oh no the bridge is out I guess I'll have to go through the forest instead very pleased with himself and he like addresses you right he like addresses you and it felt very much like a Guybrush Threepwood moment where he's kind of addressing the audience and it just felt tonally shocking compared to the first game especially considering I finished the first game and then I jumped straight into this um, oh, weird! And it wasn't just
0: like the uh, there wasn't just the choice of camera direction or the acting where they just chose the face of my life. Like you felt like he was actually looking right, quote unquote, into camera, so to speak.
1: Yeah. To deliver uh, weird. To deliver, and I mean that happens a few times in the game, and that actually plays into later plot points. Um, also, I felt this game was very beholden to the first game in the sense that the first game has a uh, massive twist midway through, um, and it's. It it's, does. Yeah, it has this huge twist midway through and it changes everything. And I, I personally think it's its not just the repetition. It's also, you know, characters turn out to have secret agendas and stuff and you don't really see it coming. And then the yeah. whole title screen changes. And they did the exact same thing in this game. It's not the same twist, but they, like, there's a major twist. And at that moment, uh, the, the title screen changes to something else. Um,
0: They kind of just, like, M. Night shyamalan on it, whereas, like, once you know there's a twist, then you're like, okay, when's the twist?
1: Yeah, this game, the first game <laughs> felt the first game had had little meta commentaries in it. This game is full-out meta, the entire thing. And that's a perfectly legitimate choice for a game. I mean, there were it was very enjoyable, but coming from Bravely Default tonally, it didn't match for me. It didn't it, it just didn't it just didn't engage me the same way as the first one. Um, and I mean, it also has the problem of Final Fantasy for the after years where it's like you're catching up with these characters years later and it's like okay what are they up to and uh I mean I liked it I really liked it if I you know I I might actually write a review on it and it will get a good review it won't be as good as the first one um but no I I enjoyed it glad I played it I highly recommend if anyone out there is uh looking to the Bravely series and looking for a Final Fantasy style RPG start with Bravely Default and if you dig Bravely Default continue into Bravely Second you might You might uh, really enjoy it.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's amusing um, with our talk of Bravely. It seems to bring uh, listeners out of the woodwork because we got another listener email actually on the subject of Bravely Default. comes from Rawl and just kind of paraphrasing. um, You kind of answered a bit of his questions, but one thing I guess I can get into, he was really curious with you finishing Bravely Default. uh, And we we did regale a bit how much we love it. And he agrees how much we love the fact that how the battle system kind of works out. The job system's awesome. And the uh, the ability to kind of customize the rate at which you get into random encounters and stuff, super dope. And as he said, and I'm kind of surprised too. Like this, it's interesting that no other RPG has picked up on that yet. I mean, they have in some ways. Like I played um, Citizens of Space last year, uh, which was definitely with its flaws. But one of the things they had the option to unlock uh, the ability to turn off encounters. You could do that in, like, Final Fantasy VIII with a certain uh, Guardian Force, for example. So that, I guess some of the games have it, but, like, it's just nice having it there as a... It's just there. So you can turn it off for... And that's I guess, speaks to the, the handheld nature of it. Like, if you're on the bus and you're like, I just want to progress the story. I know my level's fine enough. I'm just going to skip the random encounter so I can run to the next town and see what happens before I get to work. Whereas, conversely, you want to grind it out, then you amp up the, the uh, encounter rate and you just take two steps fight two steps fight and before you know it, you've got a hundred thousand dollars and tons of experience so i think that's pretty rad and it's it is surprising that it never made it into octopath traveler actually it's one thing i never and asked anybody about is does octopath have the customizable uh random encounter thing which apparently it does not so anyway he was curious of you having going right into bravely second like are you feeling fatigued by it i mean sounds like you weren't so to speak it was mostly just the tonal shift that kind of set you off but you were you were gung ho all the way through.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean i I understand what he's uh, I understand what he means about uh, being fatigued by it. I mean, sometimes you you don't want to start an epic right after you finish an epic. Uh, but I was I was really digging the story. I was digging the characters and the world, uh, and I wanted more of it. So I I didn't feel fatigued going into it. Um, I did get a little fatigued around the middle because a lot of it, you know, you're visiting the same places. You are. Running into a lot of the same characters. Um, one thing I did appreciate about this game was how they expanded the world. Um, because one of the things I was afraid of is that you're just going to be revisiting all of the same towns. You're going to be re- revisiting all of the same, uh, all of the same uh, dungeons. And you do. Which is,
0: I guess why it feels like an expansion. Which Rawl said he also felt that it felt like an expansion. So it's interesting you both kind of use the same. Lingually. Yeah,
1: yeah, but at the same time, there are brand new towns. There are brand new dungeons. All of the all of the uh, I guess the antagonists from the first game reappear in a really interesting system where uh, you are two two of them meet and you are confronted with a a moral quandary where you have to pick one or the other and yeah and then whichever one you pick you get their uh, job but you have to be selective yeah they're asterisks so you have to be selective about it so you have to ask yourself okay do I want to be a red mage or do I want to be a thief. Um, and later in the game you have the opportunity to get whichever one you missed, but you're right. going to be playing the majority of the game with the jobs that you collect through the side quests. Um, and I thought that was a neat system. Yeah, and I mean, I, I agree 100%. I'm a little surprised that uh, more of the quality of life features haven't been adopted, especially in, uh, especially in uh, Octopath Traveler, because I really did like the fact that you could turn up or turn down the uh encounter rate i also appreciated the uh again i appreciated the um auto combat because that did make grinding a bit less of a headache um better than a stapler better than a stapler <laughs> although i did have to say that they changed the system a little bit in the previous game uh if you win multiple battles in a row like if you without being hit for example or you win multiple oh, bus streaks you get the streaks, and that's how you really build up your experience and your job points and money. In this game, instead of using those streaks, you, at the end of the battle, uh, are asked if you want to fight another battle immediately. And then you'll get the oh. experience you'll get the experience from both battles, but there'll be a multiplier on it. So the more battles you fight, the higher the multiplier, up to three times.
0: Nice. They yeah, did that in um, Citizens of Space, actually. Yeah, you had it's, a chance to uh, do that, and I thought that was kind of cool.
1: It is kind of cool. I will say that it does make grinding uh, a lot easier to the point where by the end of the game, I was like, I was level 99. I had a lot of jobs maxed out and I wasn't even really trying, Um, Uh. which is, you know, it's good, but it did make the last boss fairly trivial. um, (laughs) And every boss up to that point. And I mean, I, I would like to see some of those features appear in other RPGs. Yeah. I think it, I think it did some pretty inventive things for a very traditional Final Fantasy style RPG.
0: Mm-hmm. They had to turn it on its head a bit, considering how uh, honest an homage it was in so many ways.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to play. Uh, I'm going to play the uh, the demo of Bravely Default 2 now, which you played a few weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm excited to That's see so how they've fun. evolved the system or how some of the things have gone back. I mean, I know you've had some criticisms, so I can't wait to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels very much the same as the first one, but I'd be interested to see how much it changes when you get the whole thing opened up, because that was the same thing I found with, like, all I've done for Bravely Second is play the demo, and I found the demo, um, like, I didn't realize it was on a different, or on the same world, because they, they showcased in the demo of uh, one new town, mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, maybe it's a different place, and then you, they have, like, the the kind of side mini game thing as well, where you you can build up the the moon or whatever it is.
1: Yes. The, the lune,
0: La lune. Yes. Yeah, where, um, Magnolia from or something. If I recall correctly. Um, that's actually,
1: rate- that was actually a joke that I loved in it where the, the language of the moon is French. Um, and she Obviously. occasionally, and she'll just speak French randomly and every one of on the planet will be like, what are you talking about? And there's one, <laughs> there's one villain in, from the first game, uh, who has a French accent, like a very stereotypical French accent, like that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and he's and he's like talking and she is like what accent is that he's talking so (laughs) weird why is he talking like that
0: i'm glad they picked up on that for the localization i wonder what how that worked out in japan
1: i don't know but it was what
0: the language was or if that was just an english only localization joke
1: it worked out pretty well um that's fun yeah this one felt i mean my last thought about this game uh we might go into uh one of the other things he said in the letter but This game felt much more episodic, we were talking about anime earlier, much more episodic than uh, the first one in the sense that they're divided into chapters. But at at the beginning of every chapter, it replays the opening theme song movie. So it's very much like at the beginning of each chapter, you're watching the opening credits of this week's episode. Oh, weird. (laughs) <laughs> and there's like a, there's like a theme song, and I was at the first I was like, are they just going to show me the exact same movie every single time I finish a chapter? And yes, they are because it's a Bravely Default game, and boy, do they love repetition. <laughs> <No kidding.
0: laughs> well, that's um, kind of segues into the question that Raul left us with in the um, his email was asking uh, the folks on the podcast, the panelists who've played or not, um, what you're hoping for from Bravely Default two, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that um, it isn't just more of the same, even though the demo has me, like I said, feeling a little leery that it could just be a more amped-up version of the first one in a lot of ways and just kind of more of that. It's going to be hard to iterate more, I guess, on the systems they already have in place. But, yeah, maybe just a bigger world to explore, even though the world already felt pretty full. Some more interesting jobs. But, um, yeah, I can't really... I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'd want from it because I, I kind of don't mind having more of the same in some regards. But there's definitely got to be one or two new quality of life things or um, something in the gameplay system that shifts it enough to make it still feel new. But that's going to be challenging for them. So I don't envy the task mm. they have at hand.
2: Yeah. Especially since, you know, the series as a whole is very much rooted in being a traditional RPG. And, you know, that's what. You know, like fans of the series kind of look for. Well,
0: exactly, and that's one thing Raul was saying about this one is that um, he does hope that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't where it's welcome out because he found the yeah. bravely default and everything at fifty plus hours there was a lot of padding, and I can mm-hmm. kind of agree. I mean, again, people will say what yeah. they will or will about the restitution. a lot of, of games. All. Yeah, exactly. And you try and stretch out a dungeon a bit too long, or try and add more narrative yeah. than is necessary and it kind of runs out of steam and then it just feels like you're yeah. just grinding for the sake of padding out the game. Yeah. You don't want that.
2: Exactly. I mean, it's I mean, I it's like the music analogy I use all the time. Like, you know, if you have like your favorite band, on the one hand, you know, you don't want them to rehash the same album over and over again, but on the other hand, if they get too experimental, then the old fans are will be like you're not staying true to
1: your roots.
0: Just like mm-hmm. at queen, <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Mercury, or Metallica, right? Yeah,
1: yeah but it um, the same, it's the same thing for a song. I mean, there are some you, you ever hear, you ever listen to a song, and you're like, wow, that's an amazing song. It would be a brilliant song if they cut one verse and one chorus.
0: Yeah, Actually, <laughs> right, right? Truth. true. Like, oh, a little too much. Uh, Nathan, I know you did bravely default, and then you kind of fell off um is there anything in bravely default too that they could do to kind of bring you back in aside from you know less repetition um no i think it's just
3: the lesser of repetition i think that's about it like i because I, I generally enjoyed the battle system i thought it was an amazing battle system and the job classes were really good um yeah just you know just don't repeat the story <laughs> again, like, just <laughs> that's don't a fair do point. that just don't do
1: that again just... what
0: are you looking forward to in it, jonah
1: Uh, I have a couple of ideas. I mean, I think I said last week that Bravely Default seems like their answer to Final Fantasy, whereas Octopath Traveler feels like their answer to the Saga games. Um, I think they probably learned quite a bit from doing Octopath Traveler in a lot of ways, and I hope that they take some of those lessons and carry them into, uh, Bravely Default 2. I kind of agree about the repetition. I think that it's a little bit played out. Um, if I was the developers, I would, because, I mean, like I said, the Bravely Default, Bravely Fe- bravely Second are very much inspired by classic JRPG uh, JRPGs uh, a lot of them from like the Super Nintendo era specifically I might look at later entries of the Final Fantasy series and see some of the innova- innovations that were there and see if you can do your own takes of those uh, of those things in this game and I agree I think the battle system is fantastic um Obviously, I think they should tweak it a little bit and play with it. Um, the job system is great. I mean, I, I can't really... I, it's one of my favorite job systems that I've ever used in an RPG, so I'm a big fan of that. I kind of hope they just go into a different world. Like, like I mean, I know that there's... And it so
0: far seems that's what's going on.
1: on yeah. The demo. And one of the things about the Bravely series is they do bring in the concept of other worlds, other planets. I mean, for gosh sake... Other times. It, other times. It's, it's very much a... It's a fantasy game, but it does have a few science fiction concepts. So it's not out of character that they could do a brand new story on a brand new planet and still maintain many of the concepts of Bravely Default and Bravely Second yeah, that were introduced. Links them together. Yeah, the Celestial Realm and a few other things like that. Like, they could still use the world building that they did in those two games without actually setting it in the same world. Like as much as I like as much as I liked Tiz, and I'd love to see uh, Adia again. I'd like to meet some new characters.
0: And you will. And I will. I'll be really excited to hear what you have to say about it.
1: I am excited to play it and I will uh, share my thoughts.
0: Um, Well, to round out this thing, because we're uh, we're getting to the end of the episode. One unifying thing that I've kind of been picking up from our uh, conversations. There's been a lot of JRPG being thrown around here. A lot of games that have very heavily uh, amped up anime tropes so to speak i mean trials of mana has definitely turned that up i mean there's little bits of it in the senes one but i definitely find with the new acting and the voice acting they can definitely play into a lot more of like the anime acting so to speak so it definitely feels much more jrpg even than the original did and well sacro wars we got you know where that lands and bravely default is definitely not uh, uh not innocent in the uh, the jrpg realm of having tropes and very uh tropey characters especially in its character building between them those little side moments as well
1: power of friendship baby
2: and and you know what and even wintermore tactics club even though it's you know by a western developer it's a lot of western it's graphics. in it's heavily it's inspired by um you know jrpg gameplay mm-hmm.
0: well yeah and especially with the visual novel aspect of it and <laughs> uh, yeah it, it sounds like it i mean i mean it's, it's a it's a school where there's fighting uh, for the, the clubs it doesn't really get more jrpg than that in a lot of ways and so yeah to that point like um again I, I can probably predict some of the answers here but like you know how much how much jrpg do you want in your rpg how much anime do you like in your rpgs in general i mean obviously everyone has their tastes and there's a lot of our fan base i know definitely heavily lean into the jrpg um <laughs> side of the genre like they're fans and, or
1: something
0: right almost it's crazy um that they that's why they're here but no uh it's and there's obviously a big voice for people who like the western kind of trappings as well and well i guess what i'm trying to i guess ask is just you know how much is too much is there a right amount do you like seeing a blend of the two like kind of like Wintermore tactics does where they take their japanese influences and bring those into the western world or do you, would you rather just be straight up all anime all the time?
2: That's a difficult question to answer because I feel like I almost have to take that on a case by case basis depending on the game. Like yeah. for example, if I were to play say an Idea Factory or Compile Heart game, then I would be disappointed if it toned down the fan service and the trophy stuff. <laughs> if I no, if I'm playing a game by 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 uh, those developers, I want it as over the top anime trophy fan service as possible. You know, bloody noses but, and
0: people falling out of chairs everywhere.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean that's I mean that's what makes an idea factory or compile heart game, Idea factory and compile heart. So in that case, yes, I say bring on the over the top ludicrous as possible anime stylings, but in other examples, you know, yeah, it would feel out of place. Like I mean, piggybacking on what Jono said about the second about um Bravely Default where this where uh, Bravely Second, you know, went Deadpool and was breaking the fourth wall and stuff, and it was just, <laughs> and it just felt like just tonally, like, different than, you know, what, you know, the series had kind of established, then it's like, okay, then, then, you know, maybe, you do, maybe yeah, maybe in, maybe something like that, yeah, you do want to rein that back in.
1: Hmm. Bravely Second doesn't so much break the fourth wall as it picks it up and whacks you over the head with it repeatedly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Nathan, you were one of the ones I was saying. I could probably predict what your answer would be here, but prove me wrong. <laughs> do do I prove you wrong? Hmm. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but,
3: like, I, I, personally, for me, it depends. Like, for, like I, I like my anime like, like my anime just you know i think a lot of people know that but in some cases like
0: it like, was almost a weird quote i like my anime like i like my anime <laughs>
3: right I, I, anime i'm trying to like you know the gears are spinning in my head just really slowly right now it's <laughs> okay. um it's it has for me. It's almost on a case by case basis, uh, or it's either that or I, have to, I need an adjustment period. So it's kind of like that with Soccer Wars, where as mentioned, like right off the bat, it kind of whacked me over the head instantly with, with the anime tropes and everything, like in the first like three hours. So and then it, it took an adjustment period for me to be like, okay, no, like now we're super we're, okay when you get to the super anime stuff. Then kind of like the, my mindset kind of changes basically to, uh, on the fly, like. That normally it depends, like, when I go into, the, like, as Neil mentioned, the Compile Heart Idea Factory games, I go into it expecting to be basically walked over the head with anime tropes all the time. But, but you know, if, I, if it's something like, I don't know, like, Final Fantasy, which isn't, like, which takes a lot, of ins- I don't want to say inspiration from Western anime, but stuff from Western games, but, like, something like, like Final Fantasy would go super anime, I don't know how that would, you know, sit with me. I think, it's, like I said, it just always just depends.
0: It's yeah, like yeah. Chocobo's Dungeon might be the closest we get to that. Yeah, or what's the other one? World of Final Fantasy. World of Final Fantasy? Yeah, it feels a bit more <laughs> on the anime end,
1: yeah. And there are Final Fantasy games that are more anime than others, even in the main series.
0: It's true, but I still find, mm. like, I think what um, Nathan is saying, yeah, they ride the line pretty well, where they, yeah they, the tropes are usually for, a. Mo- it's usually like a gag here and there, but it definitely doesn't permeate the entire experience.
3: Yeah, like, every character, will they, like, they have their own archetype, but that's not so, like, doesn't whack you over the head with it, like saying like, "Oh yeah," they, like they just constantly do things that are, like within the archetype. It's it's, Final Fantasy characters are just um, they're just better at you know exploring more things about the character than just their tropes. Right.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Final Fan. I mean, JRPGs in general and anime both kind of came from the same place. Like Divergent. They're like mm-hmm. uh, they're they diverge from the exact same place, which I believe would be manga.
0: Right. It's yeah.
1: Yeah, so it, it, there are obviously similarities between the two, and in some games, are. it's very, very anime, and other times, you know, yeah. a Western audience took that framework and ran with it, and you end up with uh, a lot of Western RPGs.
0: Well, exactly, and that's where we got a lot of our inspiration out yeah. of being Westerners, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for me, I... Like, I prefer my, my stuff to be better balanced. Like probably the most jrpg game i've played in a long time that felt almost too jrpg for me was xenoblade chronicles um, the original and, or two
3: uh, the original okay i guess i guess two would be, would be probably too much for you then <laughs>
0: <laughs> good to know i still really want to play it i mean i, I don't like dislike them but it definitely there's moments i was just like oh my gosh this is anime as heck this villain this ridiculous story plot device that i now need to swallow this random chained god, whatever, like yeah, there's just moments it was just like this is anime AF. Wow. And, and um yeah, it borderlined it for me where I was just like, My suspension of disbelief is being tested <laughs> But as far as tropes and stuff go, it wasn't too guilty of that. And I'm not super down with that aspect of it. At least certain tropes are fine, like the comic eggs and such, but some of like the more fanservicey tropes I can take or leave. And, you know, that everyone has their taste and that's totally fine. But yeah, I think that's more of the extreme edge, so yeah, it's, it's good to hear that Xenoblade you know, like Chronicles Two may test me, but uh, I'm open to it because it might just be that kind of fun-loving anime experience that, like you said, maybe I just need to let go a bit more. But Sakura Wars might be too much for me.
3: <laughs> it was almost too much for me, and I can and I quote myself as handling it an incalculable amount of anime. Yeah, like I, I can handle a lot of it, but Soccer Wars at the
0: beginning was like, whoa, okay, this is testing me a little bit.
1: <laughs> this anime goes up to eleven. <laughs> yeah, i think
0: like up until now like the most anime I had in my games until I started playing like Final Fantasy was like the anime character portrait package for Xcom Apocalypse that someone modded in way back when. So, not much. Um Nanjano uh has I mean you've been really enjoying Bravely and that's got its definitely has its anime moments. So, it's obviously not too much for you.
1: Not really. I mean, and I've, to be completely honest, I've never really been able to get too much into anime. There were a, oh my God, I can't believe I'm about to say this again. There were a very limited selection amount of animes at Abercrombie Video when I was yes, growing up. Yes, there it is! Um, so I, uh, my exposure to it was very limited growing up, so I just don't think that it really uh, hit my taste. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously I watched Sailor Moon, um, but I mean, I think that the only t- the oh, only two different. animes that I think they had were... Uh, one called uh, The Giver and another oh, right. and another one called Dominion Tank Police.
0: Also right. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So those are the only two That's animes I've both. watched like as a child growing up. And I guess my main exposure to anime tropes and things like that would have been through RPGs. Um. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm fine with, there are various games just like there is, there's trash anime, there's brilliant anime, there are trash RPGs, there are brilliant RPGs and trying to find that balance is what makes a great game. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much uh, either way for uh, entertaining that question. Um, and, uh, hey, folks out there, uh, you can entertain us with other questions. You can email us, like Raul did, at podcast.rpgfan.com. Raul, again, thank you so much for the email. Uh, it's really nice to hear from people. Uh, I, I'm happy to have emails all the time. And uh, you can also find us on Twitter at podcast podcastrpgfan.com. I just said that uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at RPG Fancom. Uh, you can check us down at, on Facebook. You can find myself. I am G Delme on our discord and I am Greg Delmage on Twitter and Instagram. Jono folks can find you on
1: the interwebs where they can find me on Twitter at Jono Logan
0: and Neil. How can people talk to you unless you know, they want to
1: get you to get us to review their game.
2: <laughs> um, didn't they want to talk to you as the... a normal human. <laughs> Dincrest on the Discord. And Nathan. I am Smash king
3: 27 on Twitter, and then on our Discord, I'm SmashKing.
0: And you can uh, also listen to other podcasts that we have. We have Retro Encounter, uh, hosted mostly by celosi but some other folks. I was on it not too long ago talking about Soul Blazer um we had some near talk not too long ago talking about uh, very poignant stuff at this point in time uh the therapy through video games kind of idea mental health very important to maintain in uh, mm-hmm. the current state of the world and uh we also have rhythm encounter if you want to listen to some chill jams or rockin uh, battle themes one of these days, hopefully, we'll get some more stuff going through. But we've got a lot on the site and the back burner, as it is, to work on. And then, of course, we got Hat and Eric with Phoenix Edge, our affiliate podcast, where they keep up a bit more on uh, current events than I do. But uh, they're there. And uh, they they do a good job. And you can also uh, watch their live stream of the show. It's a, it's a good time. Finally, uh, Mike Solosi has started another podcast, because obviously he didn't have enough going on already with podcasts in Retro Encounter called bravely distance uh which uh yeah he's just having chats with folks how they're going through current things what they're talking about it's not all rpg centric so uh it's a little more general but uh still you started that up i think it's a good project go check it out give them some listens and otherwise uh thanks for being here with us everybody uh jano nathan neil thank you so much for being on the episode guys
2: oh thanks for having me as always a pleasure
0: yeah, you're, you're welcome back. Uh, don't be such a stranger, Neil. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, uh, for all of y'all, thanks so much. I'm Greg Dalmage. Goodbye.